Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glut. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. Today on the show, I'm talking to Lauren Hubert. She is a dietitian who specializes in female weight loss. You can find her at the Sorority Nutritionist on Instagram. Lauren Hubert, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. It is an honor. Thank you for having me. Do you run into trouble at all with, um, I have four daughters and a wife and a granddaughter, so I'm surrounded by girls. It's the lots best. and lots of girls. And uh, they don't want to hear at all about resistance training and lots of protein. This well, is that like, breaks my heart. I, I, listen, it breaks my heart too, but they are like, I don't want to look like a dude. I want to have a, a girly figure and what you're saying is going to make me a bodybuilder. And I'm like, really, I, I don't think it will. Um, but do you run into that? Oh, yeah. I mean, as soon as you mentioned strength training, people consider it like you're going to look like a bodybuilder. You're going to look like a man. You're going to get bulky. I mean, every woman is afraid of that word bulky, but our hormones, I mean, our, our bodies are completely different. Like, you can't even compare a male body to a female body. Um, and I'd really argue for female health, resistance training is incredibly important. Yeah. I mean, after age 30, we begin to lose bone mass. We begin to lose muscle mass. Um, I kind of view it this way. If you don't use it, you lose it. Um, and so our, our best chance at survival, um, which I know sounds really blunt, but survival looking hot, as I like to say, but also actually being healthy is you, you have to put on muscle mass. You have to at least preserve the muscle mass that you have. And you're going to have a hell of a time doing that if you don't actually get to the gym or at least do, do some sort of resistance-based activity, put it that way. Right. Yeah. And the, the thing that I've heard the most from them is that they want to be toned. Toned is this very like this phrase that I've heard so many times. And I'm like, do you mean lean? Like, what does tone mean? And they're like, no, I want to lose fat from this area. And I'm like, yeah, that's just that's just getting lean and not wasting muscle. Like, that's all that means to me. And you kind of do that. My thought is you kind of do that as an overall thing, like you, you achieve it everywhere. And sometimes your body will um, make it show up in some places faster than others. But am I crazy? Not crazy at all. And you know, it's funny. So obviously <clears throat> being a dietitian, 
people get kind of shocked when I say the word toned. I mean, I use the word toned to even describe my goals. Like I want to be toned and fit. And I think, you know, there's a lot of judgment sometimes when we say that word, but for everyone out there, I use that word. I, I think it's more than fine. You're not going to find it in a textbook though. Um, not that that matters, but <laughs> regardless being toned, you can't be toned without muscle. And we all have muscle, but at the end of the dieting rainbow, if you've fad dieted, like I have, you know, before obviously doing what I do now, um, you know, you're going to lose a lot of muscle mass when you don't diet the right way. If you're in a massive deficit, you're not eating enough protein, you're not lifting weights. You can lose a significant amount of weight, but at the end of that, you might actually be like, wow, like a lot of people say the word skinny fat. You, you might be really thin, but you don't have a lot of musculature. And so no amount of weight loss is going to fix the toning and the body composition stuff. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredibly important. What, what was your evolution saying you've done um, cause I just don't know. You've done fad diets. Were you a dietitian trying fad diets or did you become a dietitian because of fad diets? How did you get to where you were? Yeah. So back in college, I went to Florida state. I, uh, left sports and decided to play, um, the, the game of sorority over there. As I like to say, it, it was big. Um, and so I joined a sorority, I gained 20 pounds and that's really what sparked my entire journey. So I, honestly got caught into all of the really low calorie diets, vegetarianism, really just, you know, I tried to eat less than a thousand calories a day mm. and I was running like seven miles a day, like really, really crazy stuff. And so it was around that time. I actually, for my own personal gain, started to become really interested in nutrition, but I knew nothing about nutrition, to be quite honest. I thought I knew my shit. No, I didn't know my shit. <laughs> my shit stank. And it was it was doing things that I honestly shouldn't have been doing. And so that's what inspired me to pursue dietetics as my degree. And I became a dietitian. I got my master's degree. Um, and it was really funny because during my education, there was this moment my senior year of college, I just completely realized that I was not practicing what I preach. My sorority sisters were asking me how to lose weight, how do you how to, you know, have a good relationship to food and how to, you know, just like the way that you look and be healthy and get fit and strong. I was not doing that. I was starving myself, uh, avoiding food and social situations. I mean, it was just becoming this really negative thing. And I know people, I mean, sometimes people similar to yourself, even like you might have this moment where you like wake up and like, that's the moment you decided to change your life. But I really had that moment. Like I knew that no amount of weight loss was going to make me happy because I had lost 30 pounds. I gained 20, I lost 30, <clears throat> but I didn't feel toned. I didn't feel fit. And I also felt so restricted. So that's what really inspired this whole idea of like being hot and healthy. And, you know, just as much as you care about the aesthetic piece. And if you do want to lose weight for that reason, that's incredible, like power to every single person out there. But if you can't maintain your results because you're miserable, that that's a huge problem. And it is it mental health is just as important as that physical health piece. Yeah, I saw there was a guy. um, I think his name's Lee Syed. I really like what he puts out. And and just yesterday or the day before, he said something like, do I think the last 10 pounds, and obviously this is relative, right? If you, yeah. if you only have 10 pounds to lose, then yeah, the last 10 pounds are pretty important. But if you've lost a hundred pounds, he was saying like, if you've gone through massive weight loss, are the last 10 pounds really important? And he broke it down and I couldn't disagree with anything he said where it's like, you're probably not going to be that much more happy once you lose those 10 pounds than you are having, you know, and, and the, the effort you're going to put into it is so much greater. And, and like I've gone for photo shoots, super, super lean. And in that moment, I've gone like, this is how I should look at all times. Mm -hmm. And then that day, just like trying to fill my muscles with carbs, I'll gain 10 pounds. You know what I mean? And not even exceed my caloric requirements. And and it's like, well, that's not possible. Um, and, and so what you're talking about hits home because I've had a number of those wake up calls like I'm going to change. And and then the, the thing I dealt with mostly was that the space is so crowded with messaging that if you just do X, you will achieve everything. It will take care of everything. And that includes my, 
you know, the cacophony of mental dissonance within my head that's telling me I'm a piece of crap, you know, which really never goes away no matter what way you lose. you got to work on that separately. Weight loss does not make you happy. It can be part of your happiness. But if you are losing weight, thinking at the end of the journey, you're automatically going to be happy. You're actually missing all the parts of the journey where you could be happy and learn to love yourself. Because if you don't love yourself or at least like yourself at a heavier weight, you're not going to love yourself at the lower weight. I promise you that. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be a tricky thing. And, and seeing what just through the eyes of my daughters and my wife, what girls have to deal with, you know, I, I think it's not, you know, the guy portion isn't really discussed as much, but what the girls go through, I think is harder than what the guys go through. Like the scrutiny of women's bodies is, is much more significant, I think, than the scrutiny of male bodies. Listen, I had all the garbage of feeling insecure about myself and I still have it basically, but you know, there aren't so many instances of uh, discussions about male bodies, you know, outside of like bodybuilding competitions. Yeah. I actually, during my master's degree, I worked in an eating disorder clinic for athletes. Um, Most of the athletes there were female, but I learned a lot about male eating disorders there, which was really interesting to me because I'd never thought about that. Obviously being female, struggling with my own disordered eating growing up, you know, I never thought about a man suffering with his body image, but especially being married now, my husband, he's also in healthcare and like working with more people. I I think, you know, not to diminish the, the female struggle, because obviously I live it and I, and I know it myself and it also depends on your body size. You know, obviously I, I haven't lost hundred pounds myself, right? Like I've only lost 20, 30 pounds if we want to discuss my fat dieting, right? Like, so it, it really depends on where you're at, you know, just cause there is such a weight stigma, but I think the difference between male and female body distortions and the struggle we face, it's because of the, the ideal male body is very different than the ideal female body. Um, but I think in, in its own respect, both, I think both genders still really struggle with like that perfectionism piece. And I think for men just generalizing, I think it's more of that, like, at least now in our culture, that super muscular tons of muscle mass build. Um, and I think what's tough about that is like, you can't put on a ton of muscle mass and like, even like a couple of years, like, you know, when we think about really, really strong, you know, fit, fit, fit influencers and even, you know, strength and conditioning coaches, like it, it's taken them years to put on their mask when they're talking about something on social media versus, um, you know, for the female body, it's, you know, it's now becoming a little bit more about strength and, and body composition, but still there's this really big, you know, thin, the whole Pilates thing on TikTok and social media right now, um, that you may, you may, may or may not be aware of, but, um, I think, I think it's just the, where, where women and men are told to look like, or what they're told to look like is very different in my perspective. Um, different goals. Yeah. Different, totally different goals. How do you get through the noise of the, the thing that that it, for me that I hear over and over and over is, should I just do paleo? Should I just do keto? I, almost every time I post anything wow. online, somebody's saying, so you did keto, right? And and yeah. And like I have lost weight doing keto, but then that whatever honeymoon period I had with doing that diet just evaporated and I could not lose weight anymore unless I restricted food. And like that was the the whole point of that diet as it was sold to me was that you never have to restrict food. Mm-hmm. And that just was yeah. not true at a at a point. Um and and I also didn't feel great. And so like w- what you know, and I had a buddy who uh, who came to me one day and he was like, you know, I had a rash and I cut out lectins and I don't have a rash anymore. You should do that diet. And I'm and my reaction is like, I don't have a rash, number one. And like, you know, I'm glad that that helped you in that way. But like it could also be your soap or some detergent you're using on your clothes or something in your environment, possibly. Yeah, po- possibly it's lectins. But if it handled your rash, that doesn't mean it's going to handle my weight. Like these are two completely different things. Yeah. And so to sell like the lectin diet or even, you know, like I don't eat a lot of processed foods, but I've heard recently uh, on a podcast I really, really like and respect where they were just like, if we just ate 
no processed foods, the obesity crisis would be over. And I, I just don't think that's true. It, you know what? I was thinking about this recently, too. I think social media, I love it. My, my, enti- my entire career in business is on social media. Like I would not be what I am without social media. However, it it's everything is so clickbaity and like it's actually becoming to the point where I think it's really dangerous. I know we always talk about social media being dangerous, but you know, it's hard to even know who to trust. I mean, even in the world of nutrition, like I'm a dietitian, but people are like, oh, you just like took a course online. Like what course did you take? I'm like, I have my master's. Like I spent six years going to school and then an internship, like, and it's not to me like to put my diploma in someone's face. It's just that it's really difficult to know who to trust. And it's the toughest part about nutrition is everybody eats. So everyone is an expert on what they eat, but not a lot of people understand data and interpretation. And like, that's not the sexy stuff, right? Like, like when women come to me wanting to lose weight, it's, they're not wanting to know a research study. They don't give a crap about that. They want to know what they should be eating when, and like, get the magic pill all delivered to them in terms of what to do. But the reality is it is different for different people. Um, There's no one thing that we could change in our culture and environment that would just massively get rid of this issue. It doesn't work that way. Right. But I think maybe it's that Amazon culture that we're in right now. Like we want results, not today, not later on today. Like we want them yesterday. We actually probably wanted them a month ago, if we're being honest. Um, And I think the tough part is it, it takes time. Like this stuff takes time looking what, seeing what works for your body. And it's not, you know, no one even working with a professional, like you have to put in the work. Like it's, it's not me. It's not a diet. I always say um, a diet doesn't work. You put in the work Uh, and and people want that quick fix, but it's just not there. It it isn't there. Yeah. I've been thinking about that aspect a lot too, because for me, it was total radical change to my entire life. However, the instances where I tried to do that in a day or in a weekend or immediately like, oh my God. It is going to take total change. It's not just carbohydrates. I have to live a completely different life. When I tried to implement that instantaneously, it always failed because in the state I was in, I didn't know what that even looked like. So it did take time. It took time and learning. You know, if I sat down and said, somebody said like, I just want you to tell me what to eat. And I could go like, okay, I could tell you what to eat for a day. But you can't eat that. If you're going to eat the same thing every day, you're going to become micronutrient deficient or bored or something. So there's going to be changes and you have to be responsible for figuring that out to some degree, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I think a dance, like, especially with, with a big journey, when I always say, when your diet's a hot mess express, like we're at square one day one, you have no idea what you should be doing. And, and you're hitting a really important point because you do have to change your identity. And that's completely outside of the diet and the education piece. Like you have to change your identity, change your mindset, show up for yourself, but you also have to actually change your habits. And I love the point you mentioned about like, yeah, I could tell you a full day. I mean, yeah, meal plans can be highly effective, but Ultimately, like what happens if you go out to eat? What happens if you're in a social situation? What happens if you're at a wedding and they're serving cake and that's like a trigger food for you? Like, like you need to really assess the bigger picture. It's not just a meal plan. It's a meal plan can be a starting place, but if you don't understand how that fits into the context of your entire life and what parts of your life you are willing to change, and then also the parts that you're not willing to change, which is important too. Like you, it all has to blend together. And so, as you can see, there's no magic pill for that. <laughs> there's no magic pill. I've been on, I, I've been dieting now for over 20 years wow. uh, in, in some form or another. Yes. I have maintained my weight now for five years and I'm on a, really comfortable program that doesn't stress me out, that doesn't cause me to have great anxiety. You know, I try to package my food to go on an airplane, but if I don't, if I, if for whatever reason I forget, or somebody calls me and says, you have to get on a plane in three hours, which has happened. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, I, I, in those instances, it's like, okay, I'm going to go to the airport and it's not going to be everything that I'm in control of, but I can make, I can make do right. And it's not going to take, take the wheels off the bus, but for a long time there. And even still to this day, like I'll go out to dinner and people are sharing a dessert and there are times where I can have a bite of dessert. And there are other times where I have to pass because I know like, 
I'm not feeling it right now. If I have a bite, I might order a second dessert and it's just not appropriate for me tonight. And like, I didn't know that 15 years ago. I had no idea. Yeah. You know, shamelessly, actually, before coming on the show, I was like, I got to do my research. I always do my research. I listened to a clip of you actually on the Joe Rogan podcast. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it, right? Um, And you're talking about like diet culture and your statement actually is reminding me of that. I am really passionate. And I always say, saying no to food is not diet culture. Like diet culture is something completely different. Um, You know, the the reason why you're saying no to food is going to dictate if that's diet culture or not. And for you, like that's health, that's, that's prioritizing your goals. That's prioritizing your relationship to food. And for a period of time, if you want to say no to something, you know, I think it's also the type of food you say no to, like for some people that's, you know, diet culture, if you say no to sweets, but like, if you said no to a salad, like you're not saying, oh, that person that's diet culture. Right. right? And so I think there's like a, a stigma around it, but ultimately you make the choice for yourself and you have to know your body. I don't know your body and no one else does only you. Yeah. It's so tough to figure all that out. And, and, and I'm as guilty of it as anyone. I spent a lot of years just wanting an answer, just coming to someone like you and, and going like, just tell me what to eat and I'll be okay. And, and the truth is that having done that, it didn't really work that way. Now I did need to get to a point where I understood the actual mechanism of fat loss, right? Because I've experienced, uh, a massive overnight plunge on the scale because I didn't eat carbs. And I thought that was fat loss many, many times. And then when the next week or the next day or whatever, it didn't happen again, I thought I was doing something wrong or that my body was rejecting ketosis or something like this. And so it was very important that 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 I did run into people like you who were just bent on showing the mechanics of fat loss and muscle retention, which I I lost a ton of weight uh, doing cardio and starving myself. You know, I say starving myself, but it wasn't like, you know, um, a disease like anorexia or something. It was was just really under eating. Um, And I didn't like how I looked. Yeah. And with how you go about weight loss. It is so simple to lose weight when you think about weight loss, but that's why I like to kind of differentiate fat loss and weight loss are really different because yes, when you lose weight, you're losing fat, but that's where this whole composition piece comes in. And I think the beautiful thing that you're such a motivation on as well is no matter, even if you have dieted the wrong way and you've gone about weight loss the right way, I have this mantra, make your next meal count. Like you can make your next meal count to get you closer towards building muscle, get you closer towards focusing on fat loss and not just the number on the scale. Um, and, and actually circling back to the number on the scale piece, the number on the scale, obviously with like an hundred, 200 pound weight loss journey, of course, we expect that number to go down as you get closer and closer, you have less percentage of body fat to lose. So you are going to see the scale go less and less down, but I'm sure in your experience, you've seen this firsthand as well. You know, the scale can't always tell you what's actually happening to your body. And what can be really difficult is when every day you step on that scale, if you go on on it every day, if you don't lose weight, if that's basically impacting how you're showing up or even your happiness for the day, that also is a really big issue on your journey because there is going to be a point in time where the scale doesn't matter as much when you care more about how you look, because as you rebuild that muscle and you change your composition, you could go up five, 10, 15, 20 pounds, depending on if you're male or female, but you could look the same and fit into the same clothes. So, you know, it's, it's important to have many indicators of progress and, and really get your mindset in check as, as you're trying to go through that fat loss journey. I completely agree with that. Yeah. The scale can be a real evil son of a bitch. Even when, <laughs> I mean, today I, so I've true. been, I've been maintaining my weight now for five years and other than you know for a movie where i try to lose or be leaner than i am at 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 comfort or for a photo shoot or something like that um i when i get on the scale and it says the same number i am devastated even though i'm actively trying to make it say the same number you know what i mean like i am i am practicing maintenance in my life and yet I get on the scale to make sure that I'm achieving maintenance and I'm hurt when the scale is maintained. Wow. It, it yeah. sucks. That I think, I mean, I, 
it could be so many different reasons, but I even personally relate to that. Cause I think as you you're on your fitness journey, when you, your identity before you're, you're the same person, right. But also like, you're not the same person. Cause you are a different version of yourself now, especially when you go through a really massive weight loss journey. Um, but when you, when you've lost that much weight, it it's almost become on like autopilot for yourself. I'm sure. Um, where it's not even autopilot, but it's like, you're looking for that next high of that next low weigh in. Um, and that's where it can become for some people, very dangerous, depending on people's personalities and you have so many genetic factors, I'm sure go into it, but it's tough. And I think that's why conversations like this are important because people want to say, Oh, you know, the scale doesn't matter. Just focus on how you look. But in real life, in real practice, we all care about the scale. We all Mm. care about what we look like and you know, what that number says. And it has like a chokehold on us, but it's like, how can we find this middle ground where we can use that number as data, but it doesn't control our happiness. I think that's where, where it, it would be really great for people to get to. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think analytically, that's what I try for. And then it becomes a conversation in my head of like, mm-hmm. I'm going to get on the scale. The number I want to see is the same number as three days ago. And I'm not going to allow it to ruin my day if it's the same number. Right. You know, I have to oh, like yeah. <laughs> talk myself through it before I even do it. And then God forbid it's up a pound and I have to go like, that's okay. I also eat salt. I also eat carbs. Like, a pound is not guaranteed to be fat in the last three days. It's a whole uh, magical conversation that's almost constantly happening and lots of self-negotiation, you know? A lot of negotiation. And I think for anyone who's struggling out there, what I actually recommend my clients do more on like an active weight loss journey. I don't do this in maintenance myself, but I'm actually a big believer of the lowest weight of the week. I know people take like average weights, but whether you weigh in daily, a few days a week, or even one day a week, if you track the lowest weight of the week, if you're on a weight loss journey, you're going to see the trend over time. And especially for females, when you're on your period, you're going to see the scale go up. There's bloating, there's water retention, literally hormonal changes as if like, you know, the whole process of having a baby um, and that whole thing happens every month. So um, that's even one thing to consider, but especially for women who are very active or even men that are really active, men, especially with more muscle mass, you know, in totality in their body, that's going to lead to more fluctuations. If you do a really heavy leg day, you could gain 10 pounds on this. I joke with my husband. My husband can gain literally like 10 pounds easily in a day. And I know a lot of my female clients would, uh, I don't even know what they would do if they gain 10 pounds in a day. Like <laughs> it would be, shit would be bad. Yeah. My, my apartment would be burning down. Let me tell you. But that's why when you actually understand what, what it called, what it's called is weight fluctuations, you're going to be better um, able to understand really what's happening in your body because you are absolutely right. It's one pound on the scale, that's not one pound of pure fat gain being added to your body. You can chug a bottle of water and the scale could go up a pound. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really tricky because I, prior to actually understanding these mechanics, I just assumed any weight loss was fat loss. I wasn't thinking about hydration and lean tissue, and I wasn't thinking about carbohydrates holding liquid in my muscles. Like that was not I thought that ever never crossed my mind. It was like the scale needs to go down. How do I get it to go down? I either am hungry all the time or on other diets that I had nothing but faith in. I was, you know, excising carbohydrates or something of that nature. Um, I I have a totally other uh, uh, different direction that I want to ask you about, because if, if I'm being truly honest, um, health uh health as a metric that i was interested in kind of occurred later to me and it, and it was more w- wound up with my kids and my wife and thinking about stuff like that and initially and even a lot of the way i work out today is uh an effort in vanity if, I, if i'm being completely frank you know and it's me trying to get to something that I don't really even believe is necessarily gettable, but it's like, mm, yeah. this is, this is how I put that together. Do you get pushback on, uh, having a catchphrase hot and healthy? Does that, is that, do people, do people give you shit about that? People love me or people hate me and thank God I'm very secure in myself, Right, but what is also interesting is so my husband shamelessly, he hates when I bring this up, I'm sure, but he's a physician. So we have a dietitian and a physician. 
He obviously cares solely about health with his patients. I'm in this unique position where obviously we talk a lot about fitness and nutrition and health, and that's a, a huge bond in our relationship. But, you know, I think anyone would be lying when it comes to. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Confidence and, and who you think you are, if, if the way you present yourself isn't a part of that, I can't imagine not liking how I look. So as much as this conversation is about vanity. And I always say to people like, you're allowed to care about how you want to look around me. Like that's, that's, that's a goal. That's okay. And it's, you know, it's not getting into the obsessive category. It's like, how can we make peace with it? But it truly breaks my heart to think that people don't like what they see in the mirror. Won't look at themselves in the mirror. Don't like uh, parts of them. Like you should be, I don't know if we can swear on this show. You can swear. Yeah, absolutely. You should fucking love yourself. You should love every aspect of you. And of course I have bad body image days. If you're human, you're going to have that. But if you don't like what you see in the mirror, do not settle. And it doesn't have to be for health reasons. Like it could be, you just don't feel like you're toned and fit. Like let's work towards that. And it's, it's a lifelong journey. But the beautiful thing is you can't become your hottest without being your healthiest those go hand in hand. So I actually think what I, the work I'm doing, I would hope is actually about being your healthiest, best self for life. Um, Because those things go together. I listen, I agree, but strangely enough, when I ask if you get pushback, there's the hot aspect, Mm -hmm. but then now even in the mainstream media, there's pushback against considering this healthy. Right. This idea of weight loss healthy. Like when you were in school, did you ever think there was going to be a day where it was like, you don't need to lose weight to be healthy? You know, what was really interesting. So I was in my master's degree when my husband was in medical school and we were long distance. And I obviously came from disordered eating during my master's degree was, which was a blessing in disguise, worked in that eating disorder clinic, got so much eating disorder experience. And it made me realize, wow, like I had a real issue when I was like back in undergrad, like, holy crap. Like I probably needed, I wouldn't say like intervention. I didn't have an eating disorder, but I, I realized, wow, like I had some really bad tendencies, you know, a lot of young kids do. Anyway, it was during that time. And I'm going to go out there and say, I feel like I was semi being brainwashed because I would say stuff to my husband and his friends when I would go visit. And they were like, in terms of health at every size, like they were not learning the same stuff as me. And so I would get into even not arguments, but like really deep conversations with my husband and his friends about it. And they were just like, this sounds like a little bit like too far to the left or right or whatever direction we want to say. Um, and it was during that time where I think I went all in on it and I just kind of observed it all. And then actually it was during my first job. I, I went straight into private practice. I worked for another private practice and they were kind of 
it's not like grooming me to be an eating disorder dietitian, but it didn't feel authentic to me. I cared about how I looked. I wasn't going to stop caring about how I look and present myself in aspects even beyond my weight. Like, and it just became almost like this political thing. And I was like, I, I, I don't think it's bad to want to lose weight, especially when like not everyone is <laughs> disordered. Like I work with clients that literally they are just so involved in their career. They're so goddamn busy that that's why they're out of shape. Like yeah. they don't have an eating disorder. Like they're just busy. So yeah, you know, people get mad at promote calorie tracking to build awareness. People judge a book by its cover. They see I'm blonde, uh, wear tight clothes. I do dances on TikTok. Like they judge, <laughs> but it's like, judge all you want. I will, I will be the person you judge because ultimately it's not disordered to want to lose weight. It's your relationship to why you're wanting to lose weight. That can be disordered potentially, but also why put labels? Like yeah. there doesn't need to be a label on it. Like if someone has a problem, like why do you have to give them a diagnosis? Like like people have their own lived experiences that are different than other people too. Right. Yeah. I think that that is one of the worst parts about today is the amount of essentialism that's wrapped up in every aspect of life where it's just like, you have this trait, then therefore you are the same as everyone with this trait. And it's like, I don't know I don't find that to be true at all. You know, I find my life to have been very different and and the issues that I'm dealing with to be a very different than many people who have had who have experienced or need to experience massive weight loss. I don't think we're all exactly the same. Um, and therefore, I don't think the messaging should be exactly the same for all of us um, as a dietitian. What do you think about the uh, newest and latest crop of weight loss drugs? Ooh. So actually someone who you had on your podcast, I had on my podcast, Dr. Nadolsky, and we had yes. a conversation about this recently too. <clears throat> and I actually invited him on because I wanted someone to like really get into the science of it just because I don't prescribe these medications. You know, you can understand that being said, my, I got so many of my followers and like people, like even in my programs, like ask me about these drugs because their friends were taking them or this and that. And it was funny, once again, I then have a conversation with my husband. Why are people taking these drugs? Like, what's going on with it? And it's it's funny because I, I think it's the messaging around these drugs right now is very, it depends on who you talk to because for some people, they need these medications for actual diabetes management. I think of things like Ozempic, but I think at the core still, I, I have to be blunt, a lot of these people are using these drugs as a crutch and not addressing the lifestyle and the trauma they may have been through and these other things. So I definitely would never want to sit here and like endorse a weight loss drug, but I'm also, I'm one of those dietitians. I'm extremely open-minded. I've worked in bariatric clinics. I've also worked in eating disorder clinics. So I've, I've seen the whole gamut of things. And it, once again, like you have to do what's right for you. Someone with, uh, BMI of 70 or 80 who wants to lose 200, 300 pounds, they're in a completely different shoe than someone wanting to lose the last 10 or 20 pounds, right? Like, like the approach for those people and the timeline is completely different, but ultimately these drugs have to be taken for life. They're, they're for lifers. <laughs> so do not just take them for anyone listening if you're not going to do it for life, because you're going to gain that weight back. And research really shows that too. Yeah, I I I, th I think about that in the same terms of like f for me, I'm a sober guy, and I was got sober prior to ever even like conquering my weight in, in real terms. Yeah. But but like I, I, I like um we didn't have Suboxone then. Uh, we had uh, methadone. Methadone was the like well, you just go on methadone and you go to the clinic every day and they put it in a cup and you drink it and that. And for me, I was just like. That seems so depressing to yeah. me, but for sure there are people who who got their lives back because of that drug. And, and I, I think about the weight lo loss drugs in a similar way, to be honest with you. Um, now, this is somebody who, who doesn't have any real knowledge of what they do or data, but just on kind of uh, philosophical terms, that's kind of what I think about, like, you know, I've also gotten to a point where I've I've been doing really well for a long time. And so I don't need to change anything, really. But then there is the little voice in the back of my head. Well, like if, you know, uh, 
a, a vascular six pack is the difference oh, yeah. between 10 pounds at this point. Like maybe I just get on some of those, like that voice is speaking to me and, oh, yeah. and I, I don't think it's worth, worth doing it for that. But so I, I'm not judgmental. I'm also not judgmental of people who choose to, to have bariatric surgery because it's just, in my opinion, a tool. The drugs, on the other hand, is something, but but bariatric surgery can fail an awful lot. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's dangerous and it fails. And so that's risky. But then the idea of being on a drug for life, I don't know. Um, you know, it, what I did was really, really hard and but it was the hard that I needed. It doesn't mean it's the hard that everybody needs. But but I am I'm also thinking like these things are pretty new. And who knows if in a number of years we're going to find out like it wasn't good for every, you know, I was put on Fenfen yeah. as a little kid that turned out to not be good. Yeah. Wow. I will say with especially bariatric surgery, I get women who are kind of at their last stop shop and they'll be like, you know, Lauren, I literally had a woman be like, Lauren, I have my bariatric surgery canceled. I have to lose like this much weight to like prove it to myself before I go into the surgery. And then I have like a month to do it. And then they're coming to me. I'm like, well, one, we need more than a month, but two, like, I, I just, at least I don't have research to back this up, but I really think sometimes people, even myself, right? Like you think you're doing things right. But if you're not seeing the results, the progress, the success, that obviously means you're not doing something right. And it's a really hard pill to swallow and something that unfortunately people in this space have to explain to people day in and day out. And it's a painful conversation. And it's what obviously sometimes leads people to other diet, the next new thing. But, you know, I think sometimes people don't, women in particular I work with, don't really give themselves enough time to even see the change and see if something's going to work for them. And then they're going to like the last stop shop of like a weight loss pill or um, some sort of, you know, surgery, like bariatric surgery. And all of these things are very, very life changing when it's like, would you give yourself a chance to actually see if like you're really doing the right things? And the last thing I'll say is I've had women be like, I'm doing all the other things. I've done everything. I've done keto. I've done Weight Watchers. I'm like, that's not everything. Like, do you actually understand what your body needs? Like you haven't given yourself the chance to even see success. But it's not your fault also, because you just don't know better. Our culture doesn't teach this, right? Yeah. I mean, everything. I feel like I did every diet. And I know that that's not a true statement. You know, there's. But it feels like that in the moment, I'm sure. Oh, my God. Yeah, it sure does. And I was put on a ton of diets as a kid that I can barely even remember the names of. But I just remember just this agony time period of like. Okay, now we're not allowed to eat anything white. And, you know, I don't know what the hell the name of that diet was, but it was something my mom heard about it in a magazine. And so that was the diet I was put on. Um, I have uh, some experience with a with a younger lady who I talked to about weight loss, and uh, she recently started some uh sports activity where she put on the uniform and that night was complaining that she hadn't lost all the weight that she wanted to from the earlier in the day of putting the uniform on. So it was like not even 12 hours where she was like, this isn't working. And, uh, I thought that was funny, but so like human of her, you know, in, in going through all of this and just what we, what we deal with, with our heads and wanting to see results and all that can get so crazy. It's so funny. I actually had a video on TikTok, which I don't understand how I got this much hate for it. It was purely a joke, like poking fun at my clients and even myself. I'm like, when your husband loses 10 pounds after like doing a workout or, you know, eating a salad, but it takes you like, like three months to lose 10 pounds, which also is like really good progress, by the way, like really bad example I gave, but it it did hit home with people. But it's true. Like you might see someone else like do one thing and see the weight loss, but it's like... (laughs) we want the results quick, but girl, like you're not going to get the results quick. So the sooner you realize that the sooner you're going to feel better about it. And, you know, at the same time, you have to balance, like you do need results to keep going and keep motivated. So it's this balance of not getting like too focused on the results, but also knowing like it, if, if you're not seeing results over time, like that means it's not working. So if you're going to do the same thing over and over again, you're just going to drive yourself nuts. And that's where this dieting comes in, like yo-yo back and forth, like just trying to find something to fix it instead of getting to the real root of what's really going to get you those results that are going to last. 
Do you find with your clients that there is a lot of going back to something that didn't work? Like, like I did this, you know, last year and I gained all my weight back, but I know I just need to do that again. Is that a thing? Yeah, it's really interesting. So I calorie track with my clients to build awareness, give them a budget. We focus on protein, like all, all the basic stuff. This is not rocket science, as I like to say. Like, like if you've talked to any nutrition professional, I'm sure they've they've said the same things because it's the basic shit. It's this science. <clears throat> but with that in mind, I educate so much on social media. What's really interesting is when my clients come to me, they have the awareness, they have the awakening for the most part, they understand what's going to get them the results and why, you know, even logically that they gain the weight back because they couldn't stick to it ultimately. And that's, that's why they, you know, are in the place that they're at and they are craving not just the weight loss, but they want to have a healthy relationship to food. I mean, my clients, I always say like, I want you to have the fun foods. Like I want you to learn that balance and it's different for different people, right? For some people it's, a Yasso bar every night for other people. It's like one time a week they're having wine or, um, you know, they travel. So they eat out a lot, you know, it's different for different people. But what I will say is what gets women off track, at least in my experience, and even men, I've worked with men too, is the weight fluctuations and, and the progress piece. They don't see the weight loss as quickly as they'd like, or I say you get greedy with your progress and you are seeing say half a pound to two pounds a week, but you're like, Lauren, what should I be doing for the two pounds a week? Like (laughs) I'm already seeing one pound, like, but you said like up to two pounds was good. And I'm like, okay, again, a little greedy, Um, but regardless when they're not seeing the progress in, in the way that they expect to see progress, even though they might be seeing it or it's slowly getting there. That's when they're like, but you know, last time I dieted, I cut out all carbs and all the white things. And then, you know, I lost like five pounds in a week and like, I knew I was doing the right thing, but then we always bring it back to, but you're here right now. What happened after you couldn't stick to that? So it's this constant pull and push of, this is what you did before, but why like reframing, why that didn't work for you, why that led you down a really bad path mentally, physically, you didn't feel good. Maybe your workout suffered. Um, and it's really tough. And it ultimately gets down to, it's really hard to break habits. And it's not just the habits with food. It's the habits of our mind around food and how we like relate to the diet that we're on, because we could have forgot almost how miserable, like a certain diet was for us or how not even a diet, like uh, just a restrictive plan was. But as soon as you're not seeing that progress, for some reason, we want to run back to the diet. It's like running back to that ex-boyfriend, you know, you shouldn't get back with, but you keep doing it, even though, you know, logically it's never going to end well again. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you find that you have, um, clients where there's a a perceived effort being put into a diet and, and I think just the perceived effort of dieting can cause stress, but then when you do some fine tuning and really have to like separate, well, why isn't this working? There's some maybe miscounting or eyeballing of certain things, which is not allowing for weight loss to happen. And yet the perception is that you've been struggling on a diet and that can be hard too. Have you, have you seen that? Oh, it's so hard with calorie tracking in particular. I can say it a million times that yes, weight loss comes down to calories, but what you eat is really important. So yeah, you know, you see these people that are, I just had Twinkies and I lost, you know, 50 pounds by doing it for this time or whatever, these like clickbait, amazing titles, which is really funny. But you know, ultimately we want you to maintain the progress. And I know for the rest of this person's life, they're not eating Twinkies, right? They're going to become malnourished, vitamin and mineral deficient. And, you know, there's no fiber and the protein and all of that, but different conversation. But yeah, you know, women will be like, I'm, I'm working so hard. And I, I truly get it because there was a time in my life where I thought I was working so hard, thought I was hot shit. Like I'm doing everything right. I always put it this way. If you're never above your, your, you can be doing all of the things. However, doing all the things does not mean you're doing the right things. And it's tough because there is a push and pull. It is going to be hard, especially in the beginning. But I, I view it this way. You have to earn the right for it to be easy. And something hard, sometimes we mislabel. It feels really hard and difficult with feeling uncomfortable or different. And that doesn't mean bad. However, there, there's a distinction between this feels hard because I'm changing my habits 
versus I'm biting off too much at once and I'm doing too much at once. And I think that's really hard to differentiate. And I think the tough part of it too is there's no like book roadmap to figure out which is which. Like that depends on the person. And that's also why um, shamelessly, I always you know, say, why is your weight loss a hot mess? I have a quiz for my clients where basically they figure out, are you the businesswoman where it's, you're very logical, but like, you just need a plan. Um, the gossip girl is the girl that gets in her head, like self-sabotages. Like she focuses on the scale. As soon as the scale's up a pound, F it, I'm binge, eat, binge eating the entire pizza. Um, so knowing your, what I call is like your weight loss type, that's really, really helpful with understanding, okay, how do I need to approach weight loss for some people? Okay. Full-blown calories, macros, like get all that from day one for other people. Okay. Let's like, think about the timing of your meals, get consistent with that before we add anything else. Um, Cause different people will respond differently to different approaches within the context of a calorie deficit, in my opinion. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, it, it, I mean, that comes down to food too. Like different people are going to have different preferences with food, different eating preferences, yeah. nutrient timing, like all of that. That's why, uh, you know, any one size fits all diet where everybody should just eat meat only and honey or nobody oh, should goodness. eat vegetables, you know. And the fact that we've come down to this dichotomy today, to me, is just so mindless, as though we're all exactly the same. Um, it's it's really wild. Do do you ease your clients into this, or do you do you expect uh, them to jump on it right away? Like with with calorie counting, um, do you ever have them just start counting calories without changing their diet at all? Yeah, I I definitely have in the past for some clients, I even say like, let's just have you eating consistent meal times because I'm also a big believer, like you have to do this very stepwise. If you just go into tracking your calories, but your meal timings are crazy, you don't have a rhythm of eating is what I call it. Like you don't have some consistency. It's kind of adding like gasoline to a burning fire where it's going to basically explode at one point and it's going to feel really difficult. So, um, a lot of times, you know, easing into it's really great, even just tracking one meal to build awareness. And so I really like to differentiate, uh, you know, calorie tracking can be used the wrong way. It can be used in a very disordered way, but it's because you don't have the knowledge piece. So Tracking is a tool for awareness. And when you approach it that way, for many of my clients, we get rid of tracking at the end of their journey because they're viewing it as, okay, what's in my food? What's the protein content? What is this providing me? Um, get even awareness around just like how much you're putting on your plate. I mean, you go a day without tracking and then you track your calories the next day. You're like, wow, like I just had, you know, five scoops of this. And like, I never realized it was a thousand calories and you know how quickly it adds up. But yeah, for some people, you have to ease into it. And for some people, they can just go full blown in. But we have to be mindful if you're like that all or nothing dieter. When you go all in, is that is that because you're trying to build awareness and you're motivated? Or are you viewing this as just another diet? Because it can be viewed as a diet with how you approach it. Yeah. When I the first time I ever really counted calories, I I was unaware of apps. I had I had a book because I have a daughter with type one diabetes. So we had a book to look up her carbohydrates and it also had other nutritional information. So I just got this book and I wrote everything down and it was the craziest math I've ever done. It was so hard. And I did it for a while until somebody was like, you can just like scan that on an app. Oh my goodness. <laughs> which I had no idea, which was, it became so much easier. Um, the thing that was most eye-opening to me was the amount, was how calorically dense fats were, you know, cause I would do make a salad and splash olive oil on it without thinking. And my wife would always say like, that's a lot of olive oil. And I'd go, but it's a good fat. It's omega three. You know, this is, I can, this is what I can have. And come to find out like a tablespoon of olive oil is not a lot. Like it doesn't dress a salad for me at all. Um, you need like five, I like to say. <laughs> yeah. It's honestly depressing because I love olive oil. Like my page is not an olive oil slander page, as I like to say. Like I love olive oil. However, 
Yeah, it's it's pretty mind blowing when you realize the caloric density. And that's also another piece too. like people are like, well, I'm tracking my calories. And it's like, well, what about food volume? You know, you could have 500 calories of McDonald's hamburger and it could be like literally nothing because those burgers are really thin, in my opinion. And then (laughs) you take this voluminous meal you make at home and it's like a a full platter plate. And so that's where like the food volume discussion comes in. Um, And yeah, I mean, tracking is really awesome for that portion awareness, but if you, if you're not using it to like think about that to then make your choices, that's when if like you're just going off of numbers, it's only going to take you so far, honestly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've tried to recreate some of my favorite burgers, and uh, if you do it with lean meat and you make like a sauce with Greek yogurt and other stuff that's that's got protein and not a lot of fat, and you can make something really delicious that's a hell of a lot. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details bigger and still less calories. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I I love like small little swaps, like small things that don't feel depriving. And I think that's so awesome for anyone who is actively trying to lose weight, honestly, even maintaining weight, like till this day, I'm always thinking about like, what are these swaps? Because also after you lose the weight, it is very easy to put back on weight, not from like rebound dieting, you restrictively, you know, ate too much. Like I candidly shared with a lot of uh, the people that I work with, you know, I, I gained a little bit of weight and got off track during the pandemic. I was pouring myself into work. I wasn't, you know, going to the gym like I had always been. And it's not because, oh, like fad diet, diet culture, it's because life happens. Like there's ebbs and flows. So, um, you know, small swaps are, are great to just keep yourself in check, even, you know, at the end of the, the dieting journey and, and when you're maintaining for the rest of your life. I love that. Yeah, I do. I do think that one of the things that I had to come to, and again, I've lost almost 300 pounds, so it's not definitely going to be the same for everyone. If you just need to lose 30 pounds, you might not be in anywhere near the boat that I'm in. But I did have to realize that this for me is going to be a lifelong pursuit, that my body and my mind, if I let it run amok, is going to gain weight pretty rapidly. And so, but, but, but that said, uh, the effort I put into it today is, is nothing compared to the effort I put, put into it five years ago. It's so much less, it's, there's so much less thought it, it, my habits have changed. You know, I do go to restaurants now and find myself asking for steamed vegetables with no sauce, you know, grilled things, nothing fried. You know what I mean? Like there are ways to navigate life, but, but for me, it is going to be a lifelong pursuit. Yeah. I always say you have to fall in love with healthy eating because it is something you have to do for the rest of your life. And even, even after you lose the weight, a really hard pill to swallow, no matter if it's, you know, you lost five pounds or you lost 300 pounds is you, you will have to work at keeping this weight off. And it's, you know, we want to make sure obviously your goal weight is maintainable and healthy. So you're not like fighting your body to keep the weight off. 
but it, it's something you do have to care about. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of miss the mark on. It's like, well, I'll incorporate those fun foods at the end of the journey. Well, it's like you have to figure out your relationship to them as you're losing the weight or else like at the end of the journey, you're just going to go binge on them and totally have no idea how to navigate social situations and what that looks like. It's, it is absolutely lifelong. Yeah. And, and I personally found maintenance to be uh, much more difficult than a diet because a diet I'm, I'm expecting to be in some bit of turmoil, right? Because I'm going to be energy deficient and it's going to be hard. It's, there's an expectation of difficulty. And then I, you know, you want maintenance to be easy because you're fueling your body the right amount and all it's just not, it's not, it wasn't easy for me. It was a struggle looking at the scale and not seeing the number go down is a struggle while I'm actually actively uh, making sure that, you know, it is still restrictive to some degree because I can go to McDonald's and eat a meal for six easily on my own and then I'll gain weight. and I don't want to do that. You know, it's very complicated. It's very complicated. And it's also changing your identity once again, because that might've been a coping skill for someone when you're stressed, like, you know, you, you go to McDonald's and, and you, you get that food and it's a comfort piece, but you have to, you have to literally change your heart wiring and also your expectations of yourself. And then you also need the checks and balances and maintenance, which is tough too, because then you have that, that rush of like, Oh, I'm down a pound when you're losing weight. But with maintenance, you're not getting that that glory moment of, yeah, look, I hit the 10 pounds down club or, you know, I, you know, really did this. It, it's like maintaining has to become sexy for you. But when you're not getting that rush of like the actual weight loss, like, it, I mean, of course, like you always dreamed of maintaining this amazing new weight that you feel great in. That's amazing for your health, but it's tough. Like it's when you've lost a significant amount of weight, like it's also so much more gratifying when you see it go down. So it's like, how can we make maintenance sexy? <laughs> like, how yeah. can we make it make it enticing? Because it really is monotonous at, yeah. when you think about it. Amazing. Lauren, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. And now for the Q&A. Today's question comes from Reggie. Hi, Reggie. Reggie says, I hear a lot of talk about non-scale victories, but as a person who has dieted all my adult life, I find it hard to not focus on the scale. I do see that my clothes are fitting a little better and I'm having a little more energy in the day, but it is so hard to shake off the feeling of how the scale can make me feel if it doesn't change in big ways. Any advice? Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you gotta, I, I have that, but I have that to this day. I've been maintaining my weight now for five years and you know, that is intentionally trying to be the same weight. And I still am bummed out when I get on the scale and it hasn't moved. So, um, there, there can be so much that, uh, we expect relief from that doesn't give us relief or doesn't give us the amount of relief we expect or doesn't give us the the totality of relief we expect and and then there's a dissatisfied this a uh, state of being dissatisfied with these goals which can send us right back in the other direction um so like i have i have a conversation with myself about what the scale means and, and what data I'm getting from it. And I have to talk myself through that. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I've, it, it, it's completely irrational, but like the scale is, a is a, is a useful tool and, and you can do various things where it's like, don't weigh yourself every day because that kind of fluctuation can be mind numbing. Um, and then don't consider a single time, get a big context. Like, is the weight trending down? Is it trending up? Right. Those are, that deals with statistics and a little bit of math, but like, write it down, create a graph. There are apps that can do this for you and you plug in your numbers and it can show you what, what is the trend. And the trend is way more important 
um, if you're in the process of losing weight than any given number on any given day because there can be fluctuations due to sodium, due to carbohydrates, due to exercise, due to hydration. Like all of those can play a factor in a single day's uh, scale result. Um, your, your clothes are looser and you have more energy. You should be, I mean, I, and I don't like actually phrasing it as you should be. I would be taking that as a win. That to me is a win. Um, the fact that I can stand at a party, you know, for a couple of hours and I'm not sweating profusely for me is a win. And I will often go home and recognize that my clothes aren't damp and feel good and, it, and, and, and have, take some pride in that. And, um, you know, uh, standing up on my feet in the morning and not feeling a sharp pain. I take pride in that too. And the fact that I can sit with a belt on for a number of hours and not feel as though the belt is trying to strangle my abdomen. I take pride in that. Like there's, there's lots and we should, uh, again, we should, I, I don't like should, but I try to really recognize the totality of what I'm doing because the scale still gets me down and the scale has largely, you know, if, if I graphed it has largely remained the same over the, over years now. And it still bums me out when it's not down. When I get on the scale and the number isn't down, it's a bummer. And that's just crazy because I am actively trying to keep it the same. So like, you know, I, I think it's a good idea to try to get your head around that because if you're successful on your diet, you are going to get right. If you, if we continue to lose weight forever, we die. That's we, we're starving to death and then we wither away and we die. So that's obviously not what you want. However, I completely relate to the idea of needing to see a lower number. Um, and it's still work for me to get my mind around that. And I would just suggest to you to, to work on that now and to not have it be um, uh, this impactful experience every time it happens, but just data. It should just be data that you are uh, tabulating for uh, some idea of trends. It's just about the trend. That's, that's my advice for the scale. Awesome. Thank you so much for that question. I think so many of us, uh, speaking for myself can relate to that <laughs> struggle. If anyone else has a question that they would like Ethan to answer here on this podcast, you can email it to us at americanglutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely.